Welcome to The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis. I am your host, Cicely Davis. Well, you've all heard it in Washington. The House on Tuesday voted 216 to 210 to remove California Republican Kevin McCarthy from his position as House Speaker. A historic, some say shameful departure that came days after he reached an 11th hour deal to avert a government shutdown with the help of House Democrats. Who will be next speaker? Was this a smart and strategic move? What of the timing? And does this help or hurt the party? We'll discuss all the pros and cons and the ousting and assess the uncertainty together. And we're going to do it right now, coming up on The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis. Thank you for joining listeners. Welcome back. We are going to just focus on one subject, one subject to discuss today, one big juicy subject that is considered by some to be simple and easy and others complex and nuanced. Well, if you're anything like me, you don't know how to feel. Perhaps because number one, it's historic. It's never happened before. And it's our party. It's the Republican Party. Or two, it's too recent, right? It just happened and we're still processing. You're still processing. I'm certainly still processing. Or three, so much is looming that it's difficult to draw any conclusion right now and you're just hoping for the best. Or four, having Democrats in the midst to accomplish the removal or the ousting of McCarthy just feels wrong or sketchy or makes you shift in your seat a little bit. And if you feel like any one of those or all of those or a combination of those, then I'm just here to tell you today as you tune in and listen, you're not alone. You're not alone. I get it. I'm right there with you. And we're just going to discuss it out together. I can relate. And I just simply want to talk about it. Before we do, as always, again, for you that are returning, thank you so much for your support and listening and your consistency and your following. It means a great deal to me, and I truly mean that. If you're new to the, to the channel, welcome. I hope you come away learning something. I hope that you make a decision to um, tell others about the show um, and that you learn a little bit, learn about yourself and love America a little bit more and decide to get active and participate in our politics. Please like, share, and subscribe and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and YouTube. Again, it is truly, truly greatly appreciated. Well, more and more continues in the saga known as political culture in America. Never a dull moment in D.C. as Kevin McCarthy is voted out as Speaker of the House this past Tuesday with a 216 to 210 vote supporting his removal. As mentioned in my intro, this was a historic move. It's the first time occurrence in the House with very, very mixed reviews, something we will discuss today. This happening days after he reached the 11th hour deal to avert a government shutdown with the help of House Democrats. So Monday evening, 
Republican Representative Matt Gates of Florida acted to force a vote on a motion to vacate the office of the Speaker following through on a threat, some say promise, he made the previous week, last week, to take the gavel from McCarthy while the threat or the promise of the shutdown was looming. Now, I brought up the fact that this is a historical occurrence, never happened before, and while other speakers throughout history have stepped down after losing the support of their party, McCarthy is the first to be ousted through a vote of the full House in the middle of a congressional term. Now, pardon me, if you will, folks, but it's no secret, I hope it's absolutely obvious that I am a red-blooded, America-loving, flag-waving, allegiance-pledging, constitutionally loyal Republican. I hope that comes through. That being said, I'm going to slip into a sort of reporter mode to offer you some facts here along with some other things in play. Okay, so I just want to give a little background, mainly because there shouldn't be an assumption that everyone truly understand our three branches of government or how it works. If you're new and you're not someone who is politically inclined or politically informed, again, I hope that you come away learning something. And so I don't want to go forward just making an assumption that you know what's going on. So bear with me for those of you who are politically savvy, politically intellectual. Um, just bear with me. It's more for the people that are more or less informed about politics. So the rules of the 118th Congress, this is the current 118th Congress, which convened this January 3rd of 2023, will end January 3rd of 2025. It's made up of 435 representatives and 100 senators. This 118th Congress states, and I quote, in the case of a vacancy in the office of speaker, the next member named on a list submitted by McCarthy to the clerk of the House in January will become speaker pro tempore until a speaker is elected. A House reading clerk announced immediately after the reading that that vote and that name that was written down in January by McCarthy was Representative Patrick McHenry of North Carolina. He was the first name on McCarthy's list and therefore was appointed Speaker Pro Tempore. I'll speak of Pro Tempore as interim. Okay, think of it as interim speaker. Pending such election, the member acting as Speaker Pro Tempore may exercise such authorities of the office of Speaker as may be necessary and appropriate to that end. Unquote. The rules state. And that's verbatim, okay? So the requirement of a list appears to have originated with the 108th Congress that convened in January of 2003. After the Speaker pro tempore takes over, the next order of business would be to choose a speaker, okay? In his first remarks as Speaker pro tempore, McHenry announced that the, quote, unquote, the office of the speaker was rendered vacant pursuant to the adoption of House Resolution 757 and added that, quote, prior to proceeding to the election of a speaker, it would be prudent to first recess for the relative caucus and conferences to meet and discuss the path forward. 
So let's address some obvious questions and issues of the current chaos in the 118th Congress. First and obvious being who could be the next Speaker of the House. And I'm sure many of you have thought about that. We, of course, heard some names come up. We're going to discuss those names right now. And this is where I would say it's unclear. Who could actually garner enough support to win the gavel? Um, McCarthy made it very clear that he will not run for speaker again. So he's done. He's out. He's over it. He's path. He's moving on. He's not going to run again. By Wednesday, several names emerged as possible successors to McCarthy. This included Majority Leader Steve Scalise, who said in a letter to colleagues that he has, quote, a proven record of bringing together the diverse array of viewpoints within our conference to build consensus where others thought it's impossible. There's another name that came up, and I'm sure all of you have heard, Jim Jordan of Ohio, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, announced Wednesday morning telling reporters at the Capitol that he heard from a lot of members urging him to mount a bid. So Republicans, as many of you know, have a narrow majority of 221 to 212. McCarthy only managed to become speaker at the beginning of the year by making a series of concessions to the most conservative members. Now, keep in mind that the full House votes to elect the speaker, the entire House. So if Republicans can't coalesce a consensus candidate, Democrats can, and I believe they will, right? They can, and I believe they will, attempt to build a coalition with Republicans, Unlike in January, as we all remember, when the House could not begin its work until a speaker was elected, McHenry will serve in the role temporarily until a new speaker wins the gavel. So let's face it, it may be difficult to find a candidate to succeed McCarthy who can garner a consensus of support and who actually wants the gavel. You actually have to want the job. It's a tough job. It doesn't look fun. You're constantly trying to, um, appeal to your own party and its members. And Lord knows that no one fights among themselves more than Republicans. And at the same time, deal with the opposition, the Democrat party, right? And so there's a lot on the shoulders. Um, It's not about the responsibilities of speaker that makes it unattractive. It's all of the juggling, right? And you know, it's just seems like to me a very hated position. And it certainly seems difficult if you don't have 100% backing from your own party, unlike the Democrat party who sticks together like glue. Okay. I mean, I got to figure as I'm sure you as well, that it's not an easy job. It's hard. And again, with all the infighting, you don't have consistent support. It's inconsistent, and that in itself makes the job that much more challenging. So the U.S. Constitution does not state or specify that the Speaker must be a current member of the House, but it always has been, according to the Office of the House Historian. So on Tuesday, Texas Representative Troy Neal said on social media that he will nominate former President Donald Trump for Speaker. I'm in support of anyone absolutely anyone who can and will be effective and get us back to order, some semblance of order and in line with the Constitution. That's who I personally support. 
And remember, in January, it took 15 rounds of voting across four days for McCarthy to secure the support he needed to win the gavel. And here we are today. He's out. He's been ousted. His victory into the role followed days of negotiating with the far-right members of the House Republican Conference. And in order to win their backing, McCarthy agreed to a number of their demands. Chief among them was lowering the threshold for the motion to vacate, which allowed a single member to call for a vote to remove the speaker. Well, that's interesting. Let, let me say that again. So if you remember back in January, it took 15 rounds of votes in order for McCarthy to actually be enacted as speaker. One of the demands that he agreed to was to lower the threshold for the motion to vacate, which allowed a single member, a single member to call for a vote to remove the speaker. So did he actually agree to his own ousting? Did he actually agree to the removal of the speakership at that time? Hmm. Just interesting. And just like the effort to oust McCarthy as speaker played out, Gates was center in January of that dispute over McCarthy's question to win the speakership. He ruffled some, he meaning Gates, he actually ruffled some Republican feathers when he voted present on the 14th round, which blocked McCarthy's bid and forced yet another round of ballots. So, Representative Tom McClintock of California warned that McCarthy's removal would bring the House to a standstill. Well, that's an understatement. He also said that in his remarks to the House floor, if this motion carries, the House will be paralyzed. We cannot expect week after week of fruitless ballots with no other business being conducted. So... I can foresee things becoming difficult for Republicans in order to advance legislation without a speaker in place. The leader is leaned upon for all kinds of things. So I can see that things can become more chaotic before they smooth out until we actually put a productive speaker in who actually can and will get things done. But remember, now that the Democrats are involved and the entire House has to vote, it now requires Democrats to approve and vote for a speaker. Now, who would that be? That is still the looming question. The leader is leaned upon for all kinds of things like setting the agenda, negotiating between factions to figure out what comes to the House floor. And the speaker plays a key role as the negotiator between the House and the president and with the Senate. He's the person or she is the point person for the House's fundamental role in ongoing negotiating and passing legislation. They are speaking to the control over the power of the purse, which is, you know, in connection with taxpayer dollars. So this is an important role. This role is very significant. It's, it's a high power role in Congress. And without one, we have nothing but more, more chaos. 
Now, this whole ousting went down to remove the speakership by Matt Gates, who cited trust issues because of a recent bipartisan resolution to fund the government through mid-November and a lack of action on a number of bills, appropriation bills and others. Now uncertainty certainly reigns on Capitol Hill at this moment. So when I say that Matt Gates and other Republicans had legitimate concerns, legitimate reason to question, legitimate reason to be disgruntled, I'm talking about those agreements, you know, returning to regular order, um, passing or not passing certain appropriation bills, single issue bills, the balancing the budget amendments, term limits, whether that's yay or nay on term limits you know, getting some progress on that. They were all promised, and this is fair criticism, that those weren't followed through on. You know, McCarthy did not follow through on those those terms, which got him elected as speaker in the first place after those 15 rounds. But I can also argue that many of those issues could have been dealt with in the future. The appropriations process, for example, The fiscal issues, I think, were really the most at play and the most significant at this time. Question is, what is the best strategic and tactical approach at this moment? Obviously, the most important thing now what needs to happen is for us to get a Speaker of the House as quickly and as soon as possible President Trump is being targeted in ways we've never seen before. Meanwhile, Joe Biden and his family are shielded and protected by their weaponized DOJ. We've never seen before chaos such as this. There is chaos literally all around us, certainly plagued in the House of Representatives. And think about our problems right now. Think about what's upon us. When I talk about that pivotal election and the height of chaos, not just in the House, but overall in our country, since this administration has taken over, our border is an absolute disaster. We have national security risks. Our economy is a bust. Inflation and gas prices are through the roof. So is food. Americans are suffering desperately. And our commander-in-chief has real significant cognitive issues that all can see. Everyone can see this. Everyone knows this. And this is where we are. We are on the cusp of disaster here. This is an absolutely pivotal election coming up in 2024. Newt Gingrich gave his opinion on the recent uprooting of the speakership. The former Speaker of the House said this to be, in his opinion, a tragic outcome. He believes McCarthy was talented and accomplished. He believes him to be or was a great Speaker of the House. He did a great deal with a very narrow majority. And he gave McCarthy respect for gaining seats in 2020, 2022. He increased the number of female members. He increased the number of veterans in the House. He increased the number of minorities, and he had a real vision for a better future for America. He believes that it's a tragic, tragic occurrence. And he also believes that, and he used the word tragic again, that 4% 
those eight members who he said decided that they were better. They decided that they were so morally superior, so intellectually pure, so patriotically better that they would side with the Democrats in order to defeat the entire House Republican caucus. And he called them traitors. He referred to them as traitors. He said all eight of them should be primaried and driven out of public life. And I quote, what they did was to go to the other team and cause chaos. And he gave this metaphor of, you know, the Bulldogs up against Alabama, right? And the Bulldogs being the number one team right now, if eight members of the Bulldogs went over to the Alabama team and gave away plays and or sided with them, what would happen, right? You kick those off the team. And then he said, well, look what happened here. We have, we have traitors. We ought to be focused on Biden, he said. We ought to be focused on the economy. We should be focused on the border. Instead, for the next eight to 10 days, he says, now we'll have the media focus on the disarray of the Republican Party. And he said, it's an astonishingly destructive behavior by a handful of egocentric people who think they're superior to 96% of the entire House conference. And so this is where we are, mixed reviews, right? And so I talked a little bit in the beginning about um, because this is so fresh, this is so new, um, we don't really know how to feel. I know that I've gotten a lot of calls this week and asking, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? What do you think about the ousting? Who do you think should be speaker? And to be honest with you, at this point, it hasn't even been a week yet, and it's so chaotic right now, and so many names are being thrown around that I actually don't know. I'm actually kind of sitting back. I know that I feel uneasy that we basically joined up with Democrats in order to get this done. It's no secret that the optics of this is really, really bad, right? Think about this. Really think about this for a second. If you are someone who is not politically savvy, someone who doesn't really pay attention to politics or doesn't understand it, or you don't participate in a whole lot, and so you get your news from local news or maybe CNN or MSNBC or maybe even Fox, okay, if you're on on my side or our side, um, you get your news from that very short, those very short quips, those very short clips This just looks like chaos. It looks like Democrats are always together, right? They stick together like glue. And that's true. They do stick together. And it looks like the Republican Party is coming apart. Now, here's here's some of the here's some of those takeaways. If we find a speaker that is productive, that is effective, that can draw some consensus that now Democrats actually approve of and it turns out well for Republicans, okay, this was a brilliant move. Likewise, on the other side of that pancake, if we don't get someone that everyone can agree on, majority, okay, and it turns out to be a disaster or Democrats make some kind of sneaky move, which by the way, they're really great at, right? Because we don't really seem to have an end game here then this was a really bad move. I have to just feel that right now because of the timing and all that's going on, 
I at least can say, and I think you can agree with me, that the optics of this is really not good. I'm uneasy with siding with Democrats in order to oust a Republican speaker. I just have to feel that something else could have been done or it could have been done in a different way or put focus on other things. However, is this, you know, what we are supposed to actually do when people fall short of their promises, when they don't follow through, when they make promises and they don't come through? Are we supposed to stand up and oust them and put someone better in? I mean, I think there can be a strong argument made for both. You'll have to forgive me for this episode if I seem wishy-washy. That is not my point. I think I'm just really looking to just talk this out. And I have a feeling that um, along with me are many of you out there, again, because it's so early and because it is so chaotic, you just don't know how to feel or where you fall on this. So hopefully as we watch this play out, we can revisit um, and see how this turns out for us. Again, if we get a productive speaker that's really effective, that follows the Constitution, that does things for the good of the purse, right? Um, does good for the American people and actually gets things done, then this was a great move and it was the right thing to do. On the other hand, if not total chaos to which the media will play against the Republican Party. And I got to say, a separate from all of this, it's really difficult for me simply because I was a candidate and I had a little bit of this. I understand it. The infighting is really, really difficult for me. It's difficult for me to watch because I know that we're on the right side. Right side meaning the right side for Americans, the right side for families, the right side for small businesses, the right side for our economy, the right side for family, the right side for faith and service and community. And so seeing the infighting is really difficult for me, also because of the history of both parties, right? The Republican Party, having always been established in the North, was never, ever in support of slavery. And then the Democratic Party, having always been the party of chaos and turmoil and fighting. And somehow this got flipped around because there was a consensus. Someone decided that we need to get together on the Democrat Party and stick together no matter what. And that's what's needed in the Republican Party. And that's where we are falling short. And that in itself, aside from the removal of the speakership of the House in this 118th Congress, that is most bothersome to me because it still continues. We simply still can't seem to get in a room together, same party, same like, same agenda, same goals, same ideals, get in a room, turn off the cell phones, order some pizza, and come together and not come out until we come to some kind of agreement. And when we leave the room, we walk shoulder to shoulder in agreement and in support of each other. Those are the optics that are needed to be seen in America when it comes to the Republican Party. Okay. And we're just simply not seeing that. And we haven't seen it for a while. We haven't seen that for a while. And I would like to see that. I would like to go back to that because we were strong. And you think about the 80s, um, particularly when 49 out of 50 states voted red. And I know I bring this up often, 
because I didn't have a real appreciation for that when I was a kid of how strong America was and what that meant. And by the way, that one state, that one state that remained blue that did not vote red, guess what state that was? You guessed it right here. Good old Minnesota. Um, now I'm going to digress a little bit. It's been rumored that Minnesota basically would have been red, but Reagan just said for the sake of embarrassment, um, for his opponent, because he was actually from here, um, don't let's not campaign so hard or so heavily in Minnesota. So he at least has one state. Okay. But I digress back to this chaos. One state stayed blue, but 49 out of 50 states voted red. What that tells me is this, that there was trust and consensus in our abbreviated agencies that Americans, regardless of how they identified politically, still believed in law and order. We were still a faith-based country. We believed in family and community, and we supported small business and entrepreneurship and free market capitalism. We believed in law and order and treating one like you would treat yourself, right? And somehow we've fallen away from that. And we can do many, 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 many more shows about that. But anyhow, this 118th Congress right now is in chaos. And I'm sure you have your opinions. I just wanted to talk it out with you. Hope you learned something today. We will watch together as this unfolds. I hope to come away with a really great speaker. I hated to see this happen, to be honest with you. I think right now at this time, we should be really focused on um, some very obvious, I think some easy wins for us, border, finances, um, national security, inflation, gas prices, food prices, on and on, the Federal Reserve on and on and on. There's so many, the Democrats are losing on so many levels. They actually just flipped on the border. Now they want to build a wall. I'll do a show about that perhaps coming up soon here. Um, there's so many ways in which they're losing. And then we actually serve them up on a platter, something for them to avert um, and look away and, and poke um, fun at our party. So Anyhow, thank you for listening. We'll keep an eye on the 118th Congress and see what unfolds. Let's, let's hope for a really great, effective speaker that can actually get things done and we can get back to business of focusing on presidential run in 2024. Please like, subscribe, and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And remember, folks, be bold, be brave. Be faithful. Be true. I'm Cicely Davis. Until next time, thank you for listening. The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis is a production of Front Page Magazine and the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Reproduction of this podcast without express written consent is prohibited.